Today on Vitality Radio, I have had so many questions lately, especially like in the last just three, four weeks, and I realized I didn't do maybe the best or most thorough job of answering so many of these questions uh, in my previous Vital 5 episode on magnesium. Now, that episode was recorded four years ago, and so, you know, that's part of it, Uh, but there's also a bunch of new stuff to talk about that's, uh, you know, new supplements that are on the market, new versions of supplements, a lot more awareness of magnesium. So today in this show, I am going to give you what I consider kind of the ultimate user's guide to magnesium. How do you take it? How do you give it to your kids? Should you take it? Should your kids take it? How much should you take? What form should you take? Uh, Why we need magnesium, although I won't go into as much detail there because most of that hasn't changed, and that is in episode 201 of the Vitality Radio podcast. Uh, I will touch on it here for sure, especially for those of you who haven't heard my uh, other episodes, but I would recommend going back to that episode if you haven't heard it, and it makes a great companion with this episode. And if you're specifically interested in magnesium for the brain, which I'll go into a little more detail here, but also not a deep dive, that's episode 126. So 201 and 126 uh, are the two episodes you'll want to use to uh, bounce back and further your knowledge of magnesium. But today we're going to talk about the various forms. What do we know about each of them? Why does it matter? You may have looked at your magnesium and seen things like magnesium citrate, magnesium glycinate, magnesium oxide, and there are so many more. We're going to cover 12 of those today, many of which you probably haven't heard of. Uh, you're also We're also going to talk about how to do it for kids uh, versus adults, uh, what supplements work best for kids versus adults, uh, is it different for men than it is for women, etc. The dosage forms, do you take a pill, a powder, an effervescent powder, a chewable, capsules versus tablets, uh, and even touch on Nacho Libre's favorite, the fancy creams and lotions. And we'll even talk about bath salts and Epsom salt and how does that all fit into the mix. We're going to talk about what not to buy, how to steer through the marketing of magnesium products, because there's plenty of that going on now. We will talk about the deficiency symptoms uh, and how magnesium can impact sleep, stress, anxiety, depression, muscle soreness, cramps, headaches, and so much more. And can you use magnesium as a laxative? Should you use magnesium as a laxative? And if you are going to use magnesium as a laxative, how should you do it optimally? And we'll even talk about what are the best sources of magnesium in your food. So that's today. It's all magnesium all the time. And of course, magnesium is part of my Vital 5. I am a massive fan of magnesium. And as I've told many people, many of you listening have heard this from me either on the radio or in person if I could only take two supplements, and that would be such a, such a sad day, but if I could only take two supplements, it would be magnesium and digestive enzymes. Those would be the two, uh, and uh, both of which, of course, are in my vital five. And uh, so we're going to go deep on magnesium today. Before we do that, I want to first thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you for listening to Vitality Radio. I have gained so many new listeners over the last several months, and I have been expanding my uh, my, my reach for sure, but also 
because of all the new listeners and because of the amazing listener community that uh, we've got formed on Facebook with over 230, I believe it is now, members uh, in just the last six or seven weeks since we started it. We are just uh, gaining members every single day and especially on days that new podcasts air. So if you're not yet a member and you are on Facebook, I get it. Facebook, not my favorite place either. I probably spend 90% of my Facebook time in the community, the Vitality Radio listeners community. There is a link to join. Uh, You know, there's no fee or obligation or any of that stuff. It's just a fun and educational community uh, where people who listen to this show because they're interested in optimal vitality for themselves and their families join and congregate we give away free products in there every week which is a fun little perk but the real value is the education and information that people are sharing with each other uh just this week i asked for people's favorite healthy recipes and man we got some awesome stuff uh that uh, i will be needing to try over the next several weeks uh so a lot of that kind of stuff in the community but because of that community as i was saying I have recognized that there are a bunch of little, uh, in some cases, little holes, and in other cases, big holes in the education that I'm trying to provide here on Vitality Radio. I've missed some things, including deeper, more complex and clear education on how do you do magnesium right. So that's what today's show is. On Saturday, uh, three days from now, we will be releasing a podcast that I've been working on for the last two months. Uh, I spent almost uh, the majority of yesterday's hours working on this podcast uh, because it did take a lot of research, and I have not done a true deep dive into the dreaded osteoporosis. Now, magnesium has something to do with that, so this episode plus that episode I think made a lot of sense to put back to back, which is why I chose to do it this way. Uh, So that's coming up Saturday. Uh, If you're concerned about osteoporosis, You've been diagnosed maybe with osteopenia, uh, or maybe you're hitting menopause and you're concerned that that is a thing that might be coming, or uh, one of your loved ones is in that boat. Uh, That episode should be a wonderful resource for you. I'm really excited to share it with you. A couple of things that are going on that you need to know about at both Vitality Nutrition, uh, the store in Bountiful, where you can call us at 801-292-6662 or vitalitynutrition.com are two deals we've never done before. 25% off the entire line of Life Seasons, one of my very favorite brands. I love their stuff. Their formulas make more sense than most people's formulas out on the market. We get excellent feedback on their stuff, and we uh, we do run promotions on individual items quite regularly, but we've never done 25% off of everything they make. That is happening through the end of September, so you'll want to check that out. And Nordic Naturals Gummies, which I've mentioned before, these are never 30% off. I've carried them. I've carried Nordic Naturals for probably... 20 plus years, 25 years, maybe 30. I've never had any of it at 30% off ever. Uh, So this is a very unusual event. It is not running through the end of September. It is running until supplies or while supplies last. And uh, it is, uh, it's, there's some really, really good deals there. So in store or online at vitalitynutrition.com. Okay, I think that, oh, one more quick announcement that many of you have been asking about. Our Precision Probiotic Vital Spores, our number one selling product at Vitality, I believe the best probiotic in the world. 
And I really truly do believe that should be back in stock in about a week. So uh, many of you have been waiting either patiently or impatiently. I don't blame you. I've personally been incredibly impatient while we've been waiting for this to come back, but it is coming back and we'll have it for you in about a week. And we're introducing a 90 capsule bottle thanks to the popular demand of many people who listen to Vitality Radio. And now without further ado, we will jump right in to magnesium and I would like to start that conversation with this. I'll say it's a mini rant. Um, what not to buy. Okay, so I got there's a guy online. You may have heard of him, JP Sears. I like JP Sears. He's a freedom loving guy. He's uh, all about health and fitness and he is uh, sponsored by a company called Magnesium Breakthrough. Now, I don't think that's the name of the company, but they have a supplement called Magnesium Breakthrough. And I've wondered, uh, is this a great supplement? Is it an average supplement? Is it, you know, what is it? How, how does this thing compare? Somebody the other day brought in a formula to me that is not Magnesium Breakthrough, but it is a knockoff of Magnesium Breakthrough. It's darn near the same product. So I decided to dive into it because I've now had maybe five people in the last month or so ask me, what do you think of Magnesium Breakthrough? And I've yet to address it. So I'm going to address it directly. So I'm looking at a label of Magnesium Breakthrough right now online. It is uh, purported to be the superior form of magnesium because it has seven different forms of magnesium and that makes it better. Now, the first question would be, does that really make it better? And then the second question, of course, would be, what is it with each of the individual versions of magnesium that uh, would make you maybe want all of them. Now, I'm going to first talk about what they call their magnesium proprietary blend. Their magnesium proprietary blend is 1,711 milligrams, which is giving you 500 milligrams of magnesium. Now, magnesium is, I, I never know how to explain this, but it matters. It is a very high... Um, it's a very large compound because magnesium itself is uh, needs to be bound to something in order for it to be absorbed into the body. Magnesium is literally a metal. It is mined the same way as copper or gold or silver would be mined. And as such, your body sees it as an inorganic metal and actually would make its best um, effort to not absorb it. But we need magnesium. Optimally, our best source of magnesium is going to be from our food. That would be the same with, I think, pretty much every nutrient out there. Uh, but it's not super easy to get in our food. Our ancestors, uh, somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 years ago, in the early 1900s, you know, prior to uh, the uh, Great Depression and prior to most modern farming practices and so on and so forth, they were on average, uh, adults were on average getting around 600 milligrams of magnesium per day in their diet, 600 milligrams. It is now estimated that Americans, 100 years later, are getting something close to 230 to 250 milligrams per day, which means there's close to a $400, dollar, dollar, four, <laughs> a 400 milligram deficit, okay? Now, that would then indicate to me that we probably were designed to get around that 600 milligram mark because that's what was just naturally happening when we ate food. 
uh, and we probably need to get that much. There have been many, many uh, analyses done, uh, one of which I reference quite a bit uh, on this show and, and do so in the Vital 5 episode, episode 201 that I told you about. Uh, where they took 41 studies on magnesium and heart disease specifically, and these authors basically said that they really do believe that's what's missing, is about 350 to 400 milligrams per day. And I agree with them. I agree with them not only because the science backs that up and the uh, you know anthropological evidence backs that up, but also results back that up. I find that when my clients at Vitality take 300 to 400 milligrams of magnesium a day, they are healthier people and happier people in many ways. So this supplement aims to give you 500 milligrams. Is that too much? No, not if you can handle it. You, it they're the biggest side effect of too much magnesium is a laxative effect. So in this case, you could potentially take too much, get a little bit of a laxative effect, uh, but that doesn't seem to be an issue with magnesium breakthrough. So what's the story with magnesium breakthrough? First off, do you need all seven of those individual ingredients? And again, um, that, that would be question number one. Then the, the second question would be, uh, why, I guess, if you need all those different forms, why would you need all those different forms? But the biggest question in my head whenever I see proprietary blend is this. Now, legally in America on supplement bottles, there can be what is known as a proprietary blend. The reason for that is because supplements cannot be patented. I can't make a formula and then patent it. Uh, there are ingredients that can be patented based on the process that it takes to make that ingredient. But the formula itself can't be patented like a drug can be. Therefore, in order to cover their, uh, their, their, themselves from a, from a uh, competitive standpoint, they would then make a proprietary blend so that other brands can't just rip them off. Now, a perfect example of that would be Magnesium Breakthrough, who is spending, they're spending a lot of money on not just J.P. Sears, but many other people promoting their product. And so there will be a lot of demand for it. Like I said, I get people asking for it at Vitality Nutrition. Uh, and there will be, you know, me too, uh, bandwagon jumping companies that will say, well, if magnesium breakthrough is selling so well, I'll make a similar formula and I'll put it out on the market and sell it for less and take some of that market share. So from a competitive standpoint, it makes sense to do a proprietary blend, but the problem with a proprietary blend, it's kind of a two edged sword on the one side, it protects the company, but on the other side, unfortunately, I think it is potentially harmful to the consumer. Not harmful like we're going to hurt these people, but harmful like we don't know what we're taking. So we don't know if we're really getting what we hope to be getting from this formula. So let's work, look through this really quickly. This applies not just to magnesium breakthrough. It applies to every single supplement that you may have at home, that I have on the shelves at Vitality Nutrition, that you may see online or wherever else you're at. And Whenever you see proprietary blend, it matters. So here's what the law states with proprietary blends as far as the FDA is concerned. It has to be in descending order. Uh, the same way as your cereal box. Uh, if they have a multi-grain cereal, it has to be listed with corn first if that's the first ingredient, that type of thing, okay? So it's in descending order, and, according, and, and when you see that, then you know that the first ingredient has to have at least as much as every other ingredient in the formula, but it can be literally 99.9% .9 of the formula. So you never know for sure how much of any of these things you're getting in a proprietary blend. 
Now with magnesium, you might think, well, that's not that big of a deal. I'm getting 500 milligrams of magnesium and these are good forms of magnesium. So does it matter? Well, yeah, it does matter. I, I get what they're doing here, but depending on the ethics of the company, they may be hiding something or they may just simply be trying to protect themselves. So let's go through it. Magnesium chelate is the first ingredient. Magnesium bisglycinate number two, magnesium oxide from a very unique form called socro, sorry, sucrosomial magnesium oxide, magnesium malate, magnesium orotate, magnesium tarate, magnesium citrate, and then humic and fulvic acid, which uh, are naturally contain magnesium as well as other minerals. I really like that they put a little humic and fulvic acid in there. I think that's good because it gives you a little wider range of minerals, not just magnesium. They give you a little bit of B6, which is necessary for magnesium absorption um, at, to be more optimal, but they give you so little B6 that frankly, I don't know if they're giving you enough to make a difference. Um, but that's the magnesium blend. So we're going to jump ahead just a little bit to the forms of magnesium, uh, but I'll wrap up this kind of mini rant uh, first before we have to jump into that full bore. The first ingredient here is magnesium chelate. Now, when we go down through the list of magnesium forms, which will be coming up in this episode, I will talk to you about magnesium chelate. Uh, and this is, in, in fact, now that I think about it, I'm going to tell you about magnesium chelate now. Uh, and then I'll reference back to it when we get through the forms. Chelate is not actually a form, a specific form anyway. It can be one of many forms of magnesium. If it's just called chelate, it could be glycinate. It could be, um, it could be orotate. It could be citrate. There's a bunch of different ways that you can chelate a magnesium. What does chelation mean? Well, chelation in this case means that they're taking magnesium in its raw state, its metallic state, and they're bonding it with a chemical bond to something else that is an organic acid. And it's always going to be an acid. Magnesium is a base. It's always going to be an acid. The only way to form the bond is to put the two things together. And if you remember in chemistry class, if you put a base and an acid together, you get you know, a volcano or some sort of reaction uh, when the base and the acid mix. But what happens during that reaction is it takes the two things and turns them into one. So magnesium glycinate, for instance, which is um, what I consider to be the very best form of magnesium, is magnesium bonded to the amino acid glycine. The problem with this, when it just says chelate, is you literally don't know what they're chelating it with. And that does matter. It matters a lot. You can chelate a magnesium with a whole protein, which is going to be the very least efficient way that you can do it, but also is, in many cases, the cheapest or one of the cheapest ways that you can do it. Or a company could technically, if they chose to, have a different magnesium chelate in every single time they make the formula. That's probably not what they're doing, but that could be done because chelate is like a generic term. It's like tissue paper is a generic term and Kleenex is a brand name. It's kind of the same thing. If you, if you have magnesium glycinate, you know it's magnesium bonded to glycine. If you have magnesium chelate, you know it's bonded to something, but you don't know what. And when that's the first ingredient, I don't know what I'm getting there like at all. The second ingredient is magnesium bisglycinate. Now remember, there's 500 milligrams in this formula. Magnesium bisglycinate could be 
a lot of it. It's the second ingredient, but magnesium chelate could be 450 milligrams of the formula. It could be 499 milligrams of the formula, technically. I don't know how many milligrams it is, and therefore I have no idea how far down the list magnesium bisglycinate comes. The next ingredient is magnesium oxide. Now, I'm going to take an educated guess here. Magnesium bisglycinate is only about 15% magnesium by weight. The rest of it is glycine. And magnesium chelate, depending on what it's chelated to, can be as much as 20%-ish of weight by magnesium, of magnesium. But here's the thing. Magnesium is big. If, if magnesium glycinate is only 15% magnesium, that means it's 85% something else. Well, when we look at this label, we have 1,711 milligrams and 500 of that is actual magnesium, which means we have about 1,200 milligrams that is not, which means it's about 25, it's well, more than 25, it's almost 30%. In fact, it is about 30% magnesium by weight. The only way to make that happen would be to have a, a, magnesium chelate that is a, a whole protein chelate, which I think is the worst kind of chelate, and a high percentage of the total being magnesium oxide, which magnesium oxide is like, I, I believe if I remember correctly, and this is a different kind of oxide, so I'm not familiar with the percentage, but I think it's close to 40% magnesium bonded to oxygen, believe it or not. Uh, and so Magnesium oxide, generally speaking, is considered the worst form of magnesium unless you're trying to get a laxative effect. Magnesium chelate, I would say, if it is a magnesium whole protein chelate, is probably the second worst form in terms of bioavailability, and those are two of the first three forms. Now, magnesium bisglycinate, I think, is the best form, and I have no qualms with the other forms, malate, orotate, tarate, citrate, they're all fine, but those all fall to the bottom. They could literally be less than 1% of the total formula. Again, we don't know. But here's the thing, $40 for a month supply, $40 for a month supply. Why is it so expensive? Well, that's actually pretty obvious to me. And that is because guys like JP Sears are being paid a lot of money to sell it to you. And so... It doesn't need to be $40. This formula for what is in it should cost probably at retail no more than $19 and frankly, probably closer to $15. That's about what it's worth in terms of what ingredients are in the formula itself. You're paying $40. They give you a deal if you buy five bottles, but it still comes down to like $32. It's still at least double what it should be selling for. Uh, and even that would be a little overpriced. So I'm going to steer you away from that one simply because I, I, I don't think it's necessarily a bad formula. I think it's probably a good, but not great formula, but it's crazy overpriced. There's another one that comes up. They're paying a lot of money to Google, I think called smidge, S-M-I-D-G-E, smidge magnesium, which is a blend of three chelated magnesiums. And actually I like the formula probably better than magnesium breakthrough, but $55 a month for that one makes no sense because again, you're looking at a formula that in my view is probably worth somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, 15-ish dollars for a month supply, maybe 20 in the case of that one. Cause like I say, they, they have a little bit more of the best ingredients in there. So be wary of this. Magnesium shouldn't be particularly expensive. Now I'm going to toot my own horn about my magnesium, which I'll go into a little more detail later, but the Vital 5 magnesium, the one I finally developed after all these years of 
touting magnesium and never having my own formula is not a formula at all. It is a, it's one ingredient in this bottle. It is magnesium bisglycinate from Albion, which I'll talk about in detail here in a moment. Um, 400 milligrams in three capsules, which is the max that we can jam into three capsules uh, and happens to be the dose that I think is optimal for most adults, which is why I chose that number. Uh, and it's $34.99 for 180 capsules, 180 capsules, two months supply. And so you're less than half the price of magnesium breakthrough. You're about a third of the price of smidge magnesium. So buyer beware as far as the cost of magnesium. Frankly, it shouldn't be a very expensive product. You probably shouldn't be paying more than $15 or $20 a month for it um, unless it's magnesium three and eight. That would be the one example, uh, which again, I talked about in detail back in episode 126. Okay. So those, those are your do not buys. The other one that I will say would be a do not buy in almost every case would be magnesium oxide on its own, but I'll get into that in detail in the next section, which is the various forms of magnesium. Why are there so many forms of magnesium? Well, first it goes back to what I just said. We have Magnesium as a raw ingredient is inorganic and potentially toxic to the body because it's just magnesium as a metal. Basically, it's not a salt at that part point. It's not a, it's an inorganic substance that is not really literally meant to be ingested by humankind. It's mined like gold. And so as such, it has to have something done to it to turn it into what is more food-like in order for the body to absorb it more efficiently. And there's nothing wrong with that. Every mineral falls into that category. It needs to be bound to something. And once you bind it to something, your body says, hey, I like that. I'll bring it in. It's tied to a food. I'll pull it into the body. And that is the whole chelation process. Um, but there are a bunch of different things that can be bound to. And so every form of magnesium is a form of magnesium bound to something else. Magnesium oxide is bound to oxygen. Magnesium chelate we just talked about. Magnesium citrate is bound to citric acid. Magnesium orotate is bound to what's called orotic acid. Magnesium malate, malic acid. Magnesium tarate is a amino acid taurine that is bound to. Magnesium lactate is actually not bound to what it sounds like, which would be milk. It is actually bound to lactic acid. Magnesium carbonate, has a carbon bond. Magnesium 3 and 8 is bound to a uh, uh, byproduct of vitamin C breakdown, actually called 3 and 8, and magnesium glycinate and so on. So that's what you're looking at when you see those two ingredients. It's not two things. It's one thing. Uh, it's two things that have been bound and converted into one thing. But as I will discuss at the end, how they're bound matters a whole lot. So that in mind too, as we work through this uh, conversation, I'll explain that in more detail also. Okay, so let's go through these these individual forms. Oxide. Oxide is the most common form sold in grocery stores, Costco, all these different places. Um, most of those stores also have other forms now, but oxide is still the number one. It's by far the least expensive form uh, and it is the highest concentration. Most magnesium oxide, you only have to take one pill to get 400 or 500 milligrams. It is the only magnesium that is that concentrated that you can only get away with one pill per day. The, there's two issues with magnesium oxide. It is so poorly absorbed that the average adult gets somewhere between 4 and 10% of it. The rest of it 
goes to the bowel and creates a laxative effect. It puts a lot of oxygen into the bowel and it pulls a ton of water to the bowel. There's another form that's a, a slightly different version called magne magnesium hydroxide, which is magnesium bound to water and oxygen, uh, but basically the same concept. It's not designed to stay in the body. It's designed to leave the body uh, through the colon in mass quantities, uh, which then will help to uh, basically create a laxative effect. So if you're severely constipated or even significantly constipated, magnesium oxide can be a wonderful uh, first aid for something like that. The problem is if you use magnesium oxide all the time as a laxative, which frankly I'd rather have you use than something like Miracel or so many of the other, you know, Sinicot or any of those other pharmaceutical laxatives, uh, then you are actually becoming more deficient. Uh, studies show that you're dropping magnesium levels as you use magnesium oxide. The longer you use it, the more deficient you become. And that is not good. So if you do rely on magnesium oxide as a supplement for the purposes of a laxative effect, in my view, you basically have two options. One, add another magnesium to it. My preference would be magnesium glycinate, which I'll talk about in a moment. Uh, and that way you're getting the magnesium you need for all the other things magnesium does, but you're able to also create a laxative effect. And there's a lot of uh, experimentation required there. How much of the magnesium oxide do I take along with the magnesium glycinate? You just have to kind of figure that out by exploring and seeing how your body does. But when I talk about dosages at the end, um, I'll give you a lot of tips on figuring that out. So that's what magnesium oxide is, and that's really its only valid purpose, in my opinion. We just talked about the magnesium chelate, so I'm going to jump right past that one and get into magnesium citrate. Now, magnesium citrate is probably the second most common form, or maybe even the most common form. Certainly the most common form found in health food stores would be magnesium citrate, uh, and has been really up until magnesium glycinate and tarate and a couple of these others came around, was considered the best form of magnesium. It is good stuff. It really is. Uh, but the absorption rate is not as good as magnesium glycinate. I don't believe it's as good as tarate. I don't believe it's as good as three and eight. So it's been passed up by a few. Uh, but it's an interesting hybrid. And there are people that do really well with magnesium citrate as a laxative plus getting the magnesium that they need. The downside here is that let's just say you're trying to get 400 milligrams of magnesium. You think that that's the level you need based on you know listening to me or doing the research for yourself, experimentation, that kind of thing. You're probably never going to get to 400 milligrams, or at least most people won't get to 400 milligrams of magnesium citrate before they're creating a laxative effect. And if you're getting, if you can't get enough magnesium before you're having a laxative effect, then you're not going to ever get enough magnesium. And so again, magnesium citrate does have limitations. The primary like uh, limitation being the laxative effect and the ability to get enough of a dose uh, without creating that. Much, much better than oxide, uh, but kind of middle of the pack magnesium in my opinion. Magnesium orotate, not going to spend much time here because I frankly don't know much about it. Uh, there's not much research on it. I dug around quite a bit. I found very little and it's one of the more expensive forms of magnesium. Uh, if I learn more, I'll share it, but that's where I'm at on it right now. I don't recommend it. Magnesium malate is interesting. Uh, magnesium bound to malic acid. If you've got fibromyalgia uh, or if you've got consistent muscle pain or discomfort, 
Magnesium malate can be really, really useful because malic acid itself is excellent for that purpose. Uh, it really helps with muscle cramps. It helps with muscle pain, stiffness, soreness, that sort of thing. Really good for athletes that are recovering from a, you know, a marathon or triathlon or something like that. It's great stuff, but it's one of the most inefficient forms of magnesium in terms of dosage. You have to take a lot of magnesium malate to get a little bit of magnesium because it is by far mostly malic acid. So unless you're dealing with one of those specific issues, I typically don't recommend magnesium malate, but I love it if that's what you're dealing with. And it's again, one that needs to be experimented with a bit. Magnesium tarate. Now, magnesium tarate is interesting. It's got a great rat study that was done on blood pressure. They elevated, artificially elevated blood pressure in rats, and they gave people magnesium tarate to determine if it would reduce the blood pressure. And it was awesome for reducing the blood pressure. It brought it, it normalized it. The problem is that I'm aware of there is not another study like that study, and they were comparing it against a placebo and it worked way better than the placebo, but they didn't compare it to glycinate or malate or any of the other forms of magnesium. And I haven't seen a magnesium study similar to this with other forms of magnesium so that we can compare apples to apples um, in that way. So we really don't know if magnesium tarate is uniquely beneficial for blood pressure. The idea is that because taurine, the amino acid, is good for the heart and cardiovascular system, that maybe when we bond magnesium to taurine, we're kind of double, uh, creating a double impact. And while that may be true, I don't think the evidence is there to back that up necessarily. So I do carry magnesium taurate at the store, and I will recommend it for people with high blood pressure if one of the other magnesiums isn't doing the job or some of the other things we're recommending aren't doing the job, but that almost never happens. Most of the time, the magnesium glycinate uh, will do what is needed, and again, uh, is a little bit less expensive. So that's uh, where I'm at on magnesium tarate. Magnesium lactate. I like magnesium lactate. It's a really good magnesium, but it's a low concentration. You got to take a lot of pills to get enough magnesium from it. I believe it's very safe. It's very easy on the stomach. Uh, it doesn't usually contain or create much of a laxative effect. So there's lots of benefits. It's just not the value for the money and the number of pills required. Uh, for me, I don't think it's... Um, you know, option number one, where it does seem to shine really, really well is with leg cramps. Uh, and so if you try magnesium glycinate or one of these other forms of magnesium, and it's not doing what you'd like it to do for your leg cramps, you may want to search out magnesium lactate because it is a, a good option for that. Uh, next would be magnesium carbonate. Now, there's been some tricky things happening in uh, magnesium powders. Magnesium powders, particularly flavored and sweetened powders like Natural Calm, that's might be the number one selling magnesium in the world. Uh, very, very popular product. Uh, used to be called magnesium citrate. And what they were doing is they were putting magnesium powder in a formula with citric acid. And then when those two things met water, they would effervesce. And that in and of itself, believe it or not, is enough of a chemical reaction to create a chelate. But it's a weak chelate. It's not what's considered fully uh, bound. Uh, and so it's a chelate that your body can actually potentially break down uh, and that can make magnesium uh, citrate, sorry, magnesium carbonate with magnesium citrate in the powder 
a less efficient form. I really don't think it's one of the more efficient forms. And I think that plays out because I'll say that I think maybe the bulk of people that use magnesium carbonate or take something like natural calm, which I'm not really saying anything bad about natural calm. I don't think it's a bad product. It's just, it's kind of in the middle, like I feel about other citrates. But I think most people that I have sold it to over the years like it as a laxative, the same way as they like the citrate as a laxative or the oxide as a laxative. And where I believe it's a big step up from oxide, uh, it's not really, a, it's a step down, a substantial step down from what I believe are the two premium magnesium, magnesium three and eight and glycinate. And just a, a word to the wise on natural calm. The company that makes Natural Calm is was purchased. It was uh, started by a guy named Peter Gillum, who did some really good research on magnesium. And I thought, honestly, I think we owe the kind of magnesium craze in large part to Peter Gillum, uh, who was able to spark a ton of interest on magnesium, including my own years ago, 20 plus years ago. Uh, that company formed in 1982, so maybe 30 years ago before that I originally heard about Peter Gillum. Gillum. Uh, and uh, natural vitality. But unfortunately, he sold the partners and those partners sold to a company called Wellnext and then Wellnext sold to Clorox. Now the company is called Nutrinex and it's owned by Clorox. And Clorox is a brand I just don't want to give my money to. So we're doing our best at Vitality. We currently sell Natural Calm, but I'm doing my best to move people away from that brand. Not because I think it's a low quality brand, but because I don't want my supplement dollars going to Clorox. It's just what it is. The same way I feel about Burt's Bees, also owned by Clorox, and NeoCell, also owned by Clorox, and Champion Nutrition, and a whole bunch of others. So if you ever, uh, you know, if you want to vote with your dollar and where you want your supplement money going, uh, do a quick Google search. Uh, who owns this company? And Google usually will tell you pretty easily. So that's that's the story on cal on magnesium carbonate. It is okay. Um, it's not my favorite. If you want a powder and you're really interested, you like the way that that natural calm works, but you don't want to give your money to Clorox anymore and you don't want a pill, then there is a brand that I love called Pure Essence Labs. And they make a product called Ionic Fizz, which is very similar to natural calm, but much more comprehensive. Uh, it's a much better formula overall, still does the fizzy thing. I think still tastes very good and works great. I think better than natural calm. I think it's even more economical on a per serving basis. And you're giving your money to a company that I trust and believe in uh, for what that is worth. Okay. Then we move on to magnesium three and eight. Now this is the brain magnesium. Why is it called the brain magnesium? Well, because they're, they've got Many studies specifically showing in both rats and humans, uh, and maybe even some human rats, I don't know, uh, that their product crosses the blood-brain barrier very, very efficiently and deposits magnesium directly into the cerebral spinal fluid and helps with learning and memory. Learning and memory, and it is very effective. Now, I personally, you know, what does Jared take? I take magnesium 3 and 8 and magnesium glycinate, about a half a serving of each. Here's the rub on magnesium 3 and 8. It is a patented ingredient. It is the most expensive magnesium on the market that I am aware of um, on, on a per milligram of magnesium basis. And the effective dose for your brain is just 144 milligrams, way below the 400 milligrams I recommend. But I don't think that gives you enough magnesium for all the other reasons you're taking magnesium. So I have found that if I take around 200, 250 milligrams of magnesium glycinate, 
along with about 100 milligrams of magnesium 3 and 8, or also known as magteen, or also known as think magnesium. Those are all names for the same thing. If I take those, that combination for me, it works the very best. If you're worried about memory, focus, learning, uh, concentration, why the heck did I run into the room that I'm standing in now and have no idea what to do now that I'm there or why I came there in the first place, then you're looking for magnesium three and eight, and it can be very, very effective. And episode 126 talks a lot about the studies that have been done on magnesium three and eight. So that's what I do personally, but magnesium three and eight, and it, it's more complicated to do it that way. Cause you have to take two supplements, not one. It's going to be more expensive to do it that way. And there are many people who do really, really well. In fact, I would say the vast majority of us do really, really well with just magnesium magnesium glycinate, me included. I do great with it. I just think the magnesium 3 and 8 takes me one little notch higher on the mental uh, side of things. And so that's why I like the combination. Uh, and magnesium glycinate also has research showing that it can cross the blood-brain barrier, but their research has been primarily in just overall absorption of magnesium and not so much the brain health benefits of magnesium. I would love to see them do those studies, but we haven't seen those yet. And now to what I consider the superstar of magnesiums, magnesium glycinate. Now, most magnesium glycinate says glycinate on the label. Magnesium Vital 5 magnesium, my brand, says glycinate on the front, but on the back, in parentheses, it will say bisglycinate, and it also says T-R-A-A-C-S, tracks, in capital letters. Why does Trax matter? Trax is a trademark of the Albion company. Now I go way back with Albion. It was my dad's second job in the industry. And Albion was the company figuring out how to chelate minerals in the first place. They are pioneers and they do it so well. I have no tie to Albion anymore at all, other than I love their stuff. Um, so that's just a little history lesson that I like to share. But they make the best chelates in the world, in my opinion, hands down. Their stuff is phenomenal. They have very, very unique patented equipment, patented processes. They have over 160 U.S. patents on chelating minerals. Nobody else is even close. They simply make the best stuff. And so what's the deal with the Trax version of magnesium bisglycinate? I'm going to read a little bit from the research. In the process of making a chelated mineral, there are many factors which contribute to producing a fully reacted amino acid chelate. And I actually used the wrong terminology earlier when I said it's not a full amino acid chelate. The true terminology is fully reacted, meaning that the, the magnesium itself is now fully bonded to the amino acid in the case of magnesium glycinate or citric acid in the case of magnesium citrate. That full reaction is critical. You don't make that full reaction in a glass of water with two form with magnesium and citric acid. It, it gets gives you a partial reaction for sure, and you get a partial bond, and that is effective, but it's not optimized. Fully reacted amino acid chelates are what we want. And so as an example, the amount of ligand that is used, the time of the reaction that uh, that is uh, measured, and of course the technology used all matter when it comes to making a fully reacted amino acid chelate. A mineral amino acid chelate is fully reacted depending on the measurement of bonds between the ligand and the mineral. 
Albion is unique in that they verify that their mineral products are fully reacted chelates every single time through multiple different testing methods, including one called Fast Fourier Transforming Infrared Spectroscopy. (laughs) If that sounds scientific, it is. They call it FTIR. But they're the only company that I'm aware of that runs their minerals through the gauntlet of testing to make sure that they are fully bonded, fully reacted. That matters. Uh, it also, in uh, one of their studies that I wanted to share, they have so many studies, but I just wanted to share this little snippet from one. It was also concluded that magnesium bisglycinate had the greatest absorption and transport across the intestinal epithelial layer and the most bioavailable of all of the magnesium compounds tested. So based on what I've seen, based on the research that I've done, based on spending hours and hours and hours reading all of this stuff, I truly believe it is the most efficient, best form of magnesium you can get. And here is the coolest thing maybe of all. I remember I mentioned earlier, magnesium, one of the downsides, if there is a downside, is the laxative effect. And you may have experienced that. And so you may have taken less magnesium or no magnesium because it was uncomfortable. Well, magnesium bisglycinate has no ionization in the intestinal tract. What does that mean? Well, ionization in the intestinal tract is a big deal. Ionization in the intestinal tract means that the magnesium is actually becoming an ion. It's converting to something else. And that is largely what creates the laxative effect. So while you can get a laxative effect from magnesium bisglycinate, I believe the primary reason for magnesium bisglycinate causing a laxative effect is not, it's not ionization. It's that you've actually simply got too much magnesium in your system and your body wants to get rid of a little bit of it. That's part of it. And also because magnesium is very relaxing to the musculoskeletal system, musculoskeletal system. I never say that well. Uh, And that is part or sorry, part of that system is the colon itself. So it calms and relaxes the colon, which then can make your bowels a little more loose. But you're getting the laxative effect because you're at the upper limit of magnesium, not because it's having a reaction inside the bowel and you're not getting enough magnesium. I hope that differentiation makes sense and is helpful to you. Okay, so the last form that you could potentially use would be the topical form of magnesium. Topically, you can use it as Epsom salt. That would be the most common thing. You've seen Epsom salt. Almost all of us have used it, probably have it in our home as a relaxing you know, bath thing that we can do after a tough day of work or whatever. Or you can get salts uh, in what are called magnesium chloride. Epsom salt is magnesium sulfate and magnesium chloride would be a far superior form uh, topically because we know there, there's very little evidence that magnesium uh, as Epsom salt uh, absorbs into the skin in an extremely efficient way. But there is excellent evidence that magnesium chloride does. Although the evidence there is not as good as the evidence is magnesium glycinate or the evidence for magnesium 3 and 8, in my opinion, and I don't share that opinion with everyone because some people disagree with that, uh, but the research I've seen says glycinate and 3 and 8 are still more efficient than magnesium chloride as a bath salt. Um, but if you don't like taking pills or powders and you, you know, you don't love the idea of supplementing, or if you deal with a lot of physical stress, a lot of sore, stiff muscles, cramping, things like that, magnesium as Epsom salt can be very effective. Magnesium chloride 
dwarfs it in my opinion. And the uh, magnesium flakes that are magnesium chloride, which can be found at Vitality Nutrition, but also most of your uh, better health food stores and even many like chiropractors and uh, massage therapists and things sell them because they're so calming to the the muscle system. Um, that would be an option to get a good dose of magnesium. I've talked in the past about a foot soak that I uh, used to do often, but have frankly gotten out of the habit of. And that's really the problem with the topical, uh, the baths is it's tough to get in the habit of doing it on a daily basis. And so I've not done it on a daily basis and have uh, found myself uh, basically relying on the supplements that I take orally. But if you like the idea of a good foot soak, uh, about a half a cup to a cup of magnesium uh, bath salts, preferably chloride over Epsom salt, but Epsom salt can be useful too, is a great wind down and relaxation thing prior to bed. Actually, really, really great. And uh, tends to moisturize your feet, uh, the skin of your feet, and calm things down, calm the muscles down, that kind of thing. You can also take a full bath, of course, which is great. And you can use it in a lotion or a gel or even an oil. Now, I'm Personally, of those options, I don't love the oil the most because a lot of people get itchy skin over time as they use the oil, but it depends on the person. The magnesium gels tend to have either seaweed or aloe added to them, which tends to calm that down, and I think actually probably enhances the absorption of it. Or the magnesium lotion, a lot of people like because it's also very calming to the skin and doesn't create any kind of an itch. And those are great because you can target them. You can put them on a sore muscle. You can put them you know, at your sciatica, for instance. Uh, you can put them on a leg cramp or a charley horse or something like that and get near instant relief. So they can be very, very effective. I do like them. Um, I personally uh, prefer to use the oral form. I seem to feel the best benefits, get the best benefits when I do it that way. So now I'm doing it a little bit backwards, but uh, let's just for just a moment, and again, go back to episode 201, you'll get a lot more of this, talk about the basics of magnesium deficiency. We talked about why we're deficient. The things that you should look for when you're taking magnesium. Uh, there's a lot of things. One is regulate, more regulated bowels. If you do run a little bit more on the constipated side, even with magnesium glycinate, a lot of people find that that calms that down just enough to balance that out. Uh, less achy, tired, sore, stiff muscles uh, after exercise, um, after yard work, or just generally if you feel like you got a lot of stiffness and tightness uh, in the, uh, the back, the shoulders, the neck, uh, in the legs, any kind of muscle cramping. If you're doing magnesium right, more often than not, that stuff goes away. Restless legs. Now, restless legs are interesting because there's a lot of neurology in restless legs. And sometimes that can even be a chiropractic thing. There's a lot of possibilities with restless legs, but magnesium is a good place to start because you're probably deficient. And if you're deficient, you're deficient and you need to fill that deficiency and that can calm that down. Headaches, uh, especially chronic headaches, migraines. Um, fatigue, believe it or not. Although magnesium is calming to the central nervous system, it actually is a critical element in creating uh, energy at the mitochondria level. It also is critical in 300 different enzymatic functions in the body. Magnesium plays a role in almost everything. Mental health, stress, anxiety, depression, PTSD, OCD, ADD. It helps with all of those things. And magnesium deficiency can lead to a lot of those things. If you've got children with ADD or ADHD, please, by all means, get them magnesium and omega-3 before you consider any kind of medication, because those two things alone could be, uh, I wouldn't call them root cause of those types of symptoms. And I did a whole show on ADD, ADHD a couple of months ago, you could go back and look at, but they 
but it is exacerbated. Those symptoms are exacerbated by the lack of magnesium. I focus better on magnesium than off for sure. And the last thing I'm going to mention, there's two last things, sleep. A lot of people use magnesium for sleep. It is great for sleep. So one of the things that I say in terms of how to take magnesium or when to take magnesium is you want to take it at bedtime. Uh, You can take it throughout the day. My magnesium, my favorite, Vital 5 magnesium, I recommend for most people, if that is the source of magnesium that you're taking, take two at night and one in the morning. That combination seems to work really, really well for most people. Uh, and so that's that's where I'll, I'll leave that. The last thing I want to talk about that I never talk about with magnesium, I don't think I've ever even mentioned it, but I've been doing some additional research. Magnesium is so critical to so many different enzymatic activities that one of the things that matters a ton is what it can do for metabolic syndrome. Now, if you're not familiar with metabolic syndrome, metabolic syndrome leads to diabetes. It's uh, it's kind of where we're at prior to type 2 diabetes. It's where we're at when we're carrying 20 or 30 or 40 or 50 pounds around our midsection. It's insulin insensitivity, uh, and it is it leads to all things that you don't want, diabetes, heart disease, stroke, heart attack, things like that. Magnesium plays a role in preventing and even reversing metabolic syndrome, type 2 diabetes. It plays a big role there. So if you deal with those things and you're not supplementing magnesium, I implore you to look into it and start supplementing it. It matters. And then I said one more thing, but here's one more, one more thing. Cardiovascular wellness. Magnesium is huge. If you have high blood pressure, like I talked about before, uh, if you are at any kind of increased risk of stroke or heart attack because of family history uh, or those types of things, magnesium has to be in the mix along with omega-3. They both just have to be in the mix. They make It makes a big difference. Okay, so how do we take the stuff? I told you how to take the magnesium glycinate. I told you how to use the um, the uh, uh, salts and uh, creams and lotions and things like that. Uh, let's talk about uh, kids versus adults and actual dosage. I think for the most part, it's a body weight thing, but there's definitely a stress component. We burn through more magnesium when we're under more stress. So athletes, for instance, especially endurance athletes that are really pushing it, sweating a lot, their need for magnesium almost always higher than other people's needs for magnesium. So where I say three to 400 milligrams for your average Jane or Joe out there, if you are an athlete, especially an endurance athlete, and you're doing the big stuff, you know, 200 mile bike rides like Lodija, or you're doing, uh, you know, marathons or, or centuries, or you're doing triathlons or Ironmans or any of that kind of stuff, do not Do not short yourself on magnesium. Yes, you're probably taking electrolyte supplements. And yes, many of those have magnesium, but you're not getting enough almost for sure. You want to prevent injury. You want to keep your muscles, your tendons, your ligaments pliable. You want to keep your bones strong. Get your magnesium levels up. Uh, It matters a lot. So definitely experiment with it. And, And in your case, you athletes out there, magnesium glycinate is even more important because again, you can take a higher level before you have any type of laxative effect. Uh, and you need that because the last thing you want is a laxative effect when you're, you know, in the saddle on a 200 mile bike ride. So, um, higher dose for athletes, higher dose for people under substantial stress, higher dose for people that have mental, emotional concerns, anxiety, depression, uh, dementia, Alzheimer's, Parkinson's disease, 
all of those people should experiment up and above and beyond the 400 milligrams uh, and see what you can see at those higher doses. But for kids, what do we do? Well, an average adult, according to the FDA, and I don't think this is true, but an adult is considered 150 pounds. With that being said, uh, you might be 200 pounds, you might be 250 pounds, you might be 120 pounds. There's all kinds of body weights out there, right? Body shapes, sizes, heights, and all that kind of stuff. But with your kid, get them on the scale and figure out how much they weigh, and then figure from 150 pounds about how much magnesium they need. If an adult needs about 300 to 400 milligrams on average, then your child that's 50 pounds probably needs about 100 to 125 or 30 milligrams on average. Um, if they get too much, again, probably a laxative effect. So start small. Start at maybe 50 milligrams for a kid who's 50 pounds. If you've got a teenager, he's 13 years old, but he weighs 160 pounds, he probably needs what a 160-pound adult needs. So work the math from 150 pounds down with your starting number of uh, of a range because it's not ideal for it's not identical for everyone of 300 to 400 milligrams start on the, the smaller end if you've got a 50 pound child start them at 50 or 75 milligrams and slowly work your way up knowing that if you get too much it's not going to hurt them but it can cause a laxative effect and if that starts happening you just back it down to a dose that no longer causes that um what about forms? If you want to give your kid magnesium glycinate and he can't swallow the Vital 5 magnesium, that's okay because there's a magnesium bisglycinate from Albion Labs. The exact same stuff that's in my capsule is made by Natural Factors in a powder form, and I love it. It's fantastic. In fact, um, a little secret, I use that one often because I'll just throw it in my smoothie, uh, at least one of my doses in my smoothie, um, rather than take another pill. So that would be another option. Would I love you to always take my formulas? Of course I would. Uh, and the magnesium glycinate from um, Vital 5, uh, Vitality Nutrition, is it's my favorite. It's the best. It's amazing. But I recognize that we all have different needs and different uh, reasons that we take magnesiums. Uh, if you've got a kid who can't swallow a pill, the magnesium glycinate powder tastes like citric acid. It's very, very, it's just a little tart. You can add it to juice. You can add it to all kinds of different things. Throw it in a fruit smoothie. You don't notice it's there. And because it's a powder, you can adjust the dose, you know, up or down. A scoop, which is a little tiny thing, has 200 milligrams in it. So you can, you know, do half a scoop, a quarter scoop, whatever. And that's a great way to do it. There are magnesium citrate gummies uh, that are pretty good. Uh, and, and and a lot of parents like those for their kids. There are magnesium citrate chewables that are pretty good. But I, I do recommend as much as possible, stick with the glycinate, either in the powder form or the Vital 5 Magnesium for your child, as well as for adults. And if you're an adult who struggles swallowing big pills, which I do uh, sometimes because of a little stricture that I've got in my esophagus, if, if that's a thing, then the magnesium powder works really, really well there. And again, uh, the ones that I would recommend would be the one from Natural Factors, magnesium bisglycinate, or um, if you're going to use want a flavored sweetened one, go with the ionic fizz magnesium uh, over natural calm. Okay, I think I have covered all the bases I wanted to cover, uh, but I'm going to look through this uh, list here really quick. And I missed one thing. What kind of magnesium, uh, or sorry, what sources of magnesium do we find in our diets? The highest source is pumpkin seeds. Other nuts and seeds are pretty high, but pumpkin seeds are pretty good. They've got like 170 milligrams in an ounce of pumpkin seeds. So if you want to try and get your magnesium from food or part of your magnesium from food, 
by all means, uh, munch on some pumpkin seeds, preferably raw. Uh, but even the roasted and salted pumpkin seeds are still going to have magnesium in them. Uh, and then uh, your other things are going to be your deep leaf, leafy uh, vegetables, chard and, and uh, kale and uh, even lettuce. The, the green lettuces have a little bit of magnesium. But truth be told, even organic food is a so-so, eh, for the most part, source of magnesium. you got to eat a lot of it to get enough from food. So that's why it is a Vital 5 supplement because I really do believe you need magnesium uh, at the supplemental level to get the optimal dose that's going to make you feel best. Okay, so there is the deep dive on magnesium. I just crested a one-hour show, uh, longer than most of my shows, but I didn't want to leave anything out. Remember to join our Facebook community, the Vitality Radio Facebook community. It'll be in the description in the podcast. If you are not a podcast listener, you're hearing this on the radio, uh, you can still jump into Facebook. If you can't find that link, uh, then go to a podcast app and it will be there in the description of this show, or you can call us at Vitality Nutrition, 801-292-6662. And again, Vital 5 Magnesium would be the, the one that uh, I love the most and I recommend the most and we get the best feedback on, uh, but there are lots of other good options. Just make sure you don't buy the ones. Don't get scammed. You don't need one that's 40 bucks for a month supply. There just isn't a magnesium out there that's worth 40 bucks for a month supply. Even magnesium 3 and 8, uh, the best... Uh, the, the most expensive version of magnesium, I should say, for the brain uh, shouldn't cost more than around 35 bucks a month. If you're paying 40 or $50 a month for magnesium, you can save money with a great magnesium bisglycinate like the Vital 5 Magnesium. All right. Uh, if you have questions about anything I talked about on Vitality Radio today, call us 801-292-6662. That's 801-292-6662. Or hit me up on Instagram at Jared Saint, S-A-I-N-T. Thank you so much for listening to me. I appreciate your time. I love the encouragement that I hear and the excitement that we get from so many of these shows. Uh, it really floats my boat in ways that you can't imagine. So thank you so much for listening to me. I'm Jared St. Clair, and this has been Vitality Radio. been listening to the vitality radio podcast enjoy your week in the meantime jared will be feverishly searching for the latest nutrition info to educate you on and wading into mounds of propaganda to help steer you through it vitality radio is researched and written by jared st Clair. our awesome music is by brian bob young support vitality radio by subscribing and giving us a five-star review on apple podcasts youtube or your favorite podcast source don't forget to follow us at Vitality Radio on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Please let us know your thoughts about this episode by using the hashtag Vitality Radio Podcast. And if you like what you hear, go tell somebody with a share, a screenshot, or an airdrop. Thank you. Just a reminder that this podcast is for educational purposes only. The FDA has not evaluated this podcast. This podcast is provided with the understanding that information shared is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This podcast is not a substitute for care by a medical professional. Thank you.